In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Welcome to a special edition of the Politically Georgia podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, and in this episode, I'm joined by AJC legal affairs reporter Bill Rankin and senior enterprise reporter Tamar Allerman. Reminder, if you're just listening to us for the first time, please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a special episode, and we are so excited to announce the release of the ninth season of Breakdown, the Trump Grand Jury. We're here with Bill, who has been involved in all nine seasons, and Tamar, who is a pro at radio and all sorts of media, but this is her first time doing Breakdown. Bill, let's start with you. I mean, you've you've built this podcast into a dynamo. Tell us about the process that went into this very special ninth season. Well, we knew that uh, Fonnie Willis had convened this special purpose grand jury, and She's investigating the former president of the United States and his allies, and it's possible this grand jury will recommend criminal charges be brought. So if a former president is indicted in our backyard, we have to be there. And I thought breakdown would be a good vehicle to explain the process and show what's going on. And Bill, stick with you for a second. Talk about the challenges of not knowing the end of the story as you guys are taping these podcasts, because we're right now, you know, this is June, where you have no idea where this investigation could lead, whether there could be charges, whether, you know, just so many unknowns. What's it like kind of going into working on this show when there's so many mysteries out there? Normal. Because <laughs> uh, two seasons, we uh, looked at two murder cases where two people had been imprisoned, wrongly convicted. We didn't know what would happen by the time we finished. We followed three or four trials, including the hot car trial of Justin Ross Harris out of Cobb County. We just had a season on the uh, Ahmaud Arbery trial down in Brunswick, and we had no idea what was going to happen at the end of those trials. So the challenge here is that the grand jury is meeting in secret, and we can't sit in with our tape recorders and hear what's going on. Okay, Tamar, as I mentioned, you're on radio all the time. You have a background in public radio. You're a guest frequently on Political Rewind and all sorts of other national and and state TV and radio shows. So this is not your first rodeo, but this is your first time doing a breakdown. What have you learned from getting involved in one of the, uh, really one of the nation's leading legal podcasts? This has been so different for me because while I've done plenty of episodes of Politically Georgia or Political Rewind, as you mentioned, all of that, you know, if it isn't live, it's very like rapid fire, just kind of analysis off the top of your head. It, it very much is kind of a conversational, you know, building off of each other. But but breakdown is different because of all the work that goes in on the front end. 
we're writing scripts, we're revising them constantly, you know, making sure that you're you're voicing, you know, a script correctly. And that's something that now after having gone through it for the last couple of months, I have such immense respect for our friends and colleagues in TV and radio because, oh my goodness, they make it look so easy. And it is not something that comes naturally to me. And so it is I just have the utmost respect for uh, for our friends doing it. And I've learned so much from Bill going in. I remember the first episode kind of thinking he was a little crazy when he came out with a giant binder filled with transcripts. <laughs> and I'm thinking, is that necessary? Oh my goodness. And he has just taught me so much. And it, that binder has saved our butt so many times, Phil. So I appreciate you being so patient with me as we've built and worked and reworked these episodes as all these developments have come up as part of the special grand jury, as part of the January 6th hearings. We've had to go back and rework scripts as new information has come out. I'm on my second was, binder now. <laughs> I was saying, it sounds like you need to uh, tweet a picture of the binder so that we all have a visual reference to, to this okay. giant binder. Bill, can you talk about the challenges, uh, the unique challenges in this season? Because there are so many high profile witnesses, right? These are candidates for public office. I mean, going all the way up to Trump's inner circle who will be scrutinized. And of course, there's state figures, David Schaefer, the Republican chair of the the Republican Party, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, others who we know are being looked at. Talk about the challenges of trying to reach them and, and get more information from these characters. Well, as I said, the grand jury is secret. The challenge is, is that nobody, the judge, the prosecution, nobody can say what is going on inside the grand jury except the people who testify. They can talk about what they said. So that's the challenge. We are working very hard to run down as many of these people who are showing up at the grand jury and trying to get interviews with them. They, I think naturally they do not want to talk beforehand, which is smart, mm -hmm. but hopefully we can get them afterwards. And what I've found as somebody who's been standing outside the Fulton County Courthouse many days over the last couple of weeks is that many of those folks, you know, these witnesses who in the past might have been chatty about their roles in a lot of this, uh, none of them are talking so far. We're recording this on Friday, June 17th, and no one, including Brad Raffensperger, who wrote an entire book about his experience, no one has given an interview about their testimony, about what they, they've been asked by the special grand jury. So there's definitely this extra air of, of secrecy around it that makes it really challenging to report. We also have an idea of who Fannie Willis might want to talk to based on some of the events that she's confirmed are of interest to her, but we don't really know how wide she's casting the net. And it's been surprising to hear, as news have le has leaked about certain witnesses who they are trying to get, just how broad they're going. You know, she's going as far as as kind of pursuing Kanye West's former publicist who came to Cobb County to try and confront a poll worker who had been at State Farm Arena. I mean, Greg, we've reported this already, but you've gotten a letter from prosecutors saying that that they might want to interview you too. So they truly are casting a really broad net. And there have been surprises. You know, we knew she wanted to talk to Brad Raffensperger, deputies like Gabe Sterling, uh, but we didn't realize she'd be going for reporters or for people very outside the orbit of state government. What's interesting is if you were to ever testify before the grand jury with a or they would seek your testimony, the newspaper naturally, as it often does, would try to prevent that from happening. And if it did, it'd be frustrating to me because I would love to interview you after you testify. <laughs> well, from my understanding, yeah, the newspaper is trying to quash that, I guess, subpoena. But look, I mean, uh, 
what I've said and what I've saw. And from what I understand, they're going to want to focus on what I saw that December 14th. I think that was the day that the fake Republican electors, I put it all out there on Twitter and reported AJC stories and wrote about it in my book. So there's not much else I can think of that they want to ask me about, but in general, and as you know, you guys got to interview me for this podcast too. And one of the things that I most remember was being stunned that the Republican electors uh, were meeting and trying to cast these phony ballots because I had, uh, I'd even talked to them beforehand. I mean, you know, a day or so beforehand and no one gave me any indication that there was going to be this secret plot. And as we later found out from other revelations, it was that one of Trump's campaign advisors had sent all the electors notes saying act in secret, basically to misdirect state patrol officers at the state capitol, tell them you're meeting with state senators and, and the like to really kind of pull the wool over not just reporters, but even state officials tomorrow. Yeah. And that's something I've written about, like, you know, that particular email directing those alternative electors to to keep things quiet. That's something that could help Fonnie Willis sh- should she decide that she wants to press charges against those electors. Because, you know, some of the legal experts I've talked to mentioned that can help prove criminal intent, which is an underlying requirement for all of these uh, state crimes and something that prosecutors will need to prove for everything. So this could be extremely helpful to them. You know, Greg, you mentioned how if you are subpoenaed, our bosses have indicated that they're going to try and quash subpoenas. And this is something that that DA Willis could also run into should she try and subpoena Republican state legislators, uh, a couple of whom were a part of that false elector slate, but then others who uh, were were drafting a letter to Mike Pence to try and get him not to certify the election results, others who joined lawsuits trying to invalidate election results. It would make sense if she wanted to talk to them. But many of them, as we know through their attorney, Don Samuel, have indicated that they plan to um, to declare legislative immunity and try and uh, try and fight those subpoenas. So if she were to do it. As far as I know, as of today, that has not happened yet. But that's something that I'm sure the DA is thinking about as she decides who she wants to call in. I'm so impressed, guys, because there's so many moving pieces with this investigation. <laughs> and to tackle a podcast on it is going to be amazing because, you know, tomorrow you just opened a can of worms right there, reminding me of the political implications here in Georgia. State Senator Burt Jones was one of those fake electors. He's now the Republican nominee for Lieutenant Governor. Brad Raffensberger. Um, sort of on the other end of this investigation, he got that nasty phone call from former President Trump saying to urging him to reverse the election and find enough votes to overturn his defeat. Well, he's the Republican nominee for Secretary of State for re-election. David Schaefer, he's still the Republican Party chair, and he's fallen out of favor with many of the Republican leaders because he backed the Trump candidates who ended up losing in the May primaries. These are all figures who are still front and center. Chris Carr has been subpoenaed, the Attorney General. And Chris Carr. As has B. Win, <laughs> as has B. Win, a Democrat running for Secretary of State. So there's plenty of people who have been subpoenaed who were not necessarily on my bingo card for for who to talk to. Oh, and I forgot Jen Jordan, who won the Democratic nomination for Attorney General. So it truly spans the gamut, and sometimes it feels like this crazy game of <laughs> not whack a mole, but trying to figure bingo. out, trying to think of exactly, trying to think like a prosecutor who in this universe of characters. Is she trying to talk to? And what's the strategy here? Why haven't we heard from Republicans yet who might have been, um, you know, who, who I would think she would want to talk to, but maybe there's some strategy involved in terms of if she's going to subpoena them and when, or is she anticipating a fight and trying to go around them? 
we're trying to piece that together, but it certainly has been a challenge just because the process is so secretive and folks so far have not wanted to talk much. And there is one prominent Republican who received a couple of phone calls from former President Trump, and we are waiting to see if Brian Kemp, our governor, will get a subpoena as well. I will not be stunned if he dies. And no recordings of those phone calls have come out yet, but we know, well, I've covered several of them, but one of them that that stands out to me was the morning he was going to Valdosta. Uh, Then President Trump was doing a big rally in Valdosta, called Brian Kemp that morning. Brian Kemp was basically in mourning because um, a young aide to Kelly Leffler had died in a tragic car wreck, and, and that aide was also dating his daughter. And Kemp's mind was elsewhere, and the former president kept on haranguing him about these election fraud lies. So that one I would love to hear about. <laughs> we'll soon right. find out, guys. Bill, you've covered a number of huge trials. I mean, nationally watched, internationally watched trials. I'm thinking Brian Nichols and the Troy Davis deliberations and also in hot car trials. But this is a different sort of animal because, you know, of course, there's international media attention and there's hunger for any sort of scoop on this. But this involves a former president who is likely to run for another term. Well, as we say in the Breakdown podcast, this is a case that could absolutely change the course of U.S. history. No president has ever been indicted before, no former president. And so this would set an amazing precedent. So we're just waiting We talked to Fonnie Willis, one of our episodes. We had some very good interviews with the new district attorney in Fulton County, and she, in no uncertain terms, indicated if the evidence is there, she's going to seek an indictment against the former president of the United States. So this could be something. This will be unlike anything I've ever covered before, and I've covered some really high-profile trials. Absolutely. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. Welcome back to a special edition of the Politically Georgia podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, one of the three political insiders here at the AJC and one of the three authors of the Morning Jolt newsletter, which sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics every morning in your inbox. And you can get it if you're a subscriber to the AJC. Right now, we're offering the best deal of the year for a limited time. You can get six months of unlimited digital access to the AJC and the AJC e-paper for just 99 cents. Politics, investigations, breaking news, sports, dining, legal coverage, and all AJC newsletters, including the Jolt, for less than a buck. It's our best offer of the year for the best journalism in Georgia. Go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast to get unlimited digital access for the next six months, just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast so you always know what's really going on. Okay. 
We're back with our special guest, legal affairs reporter Bill Rankin and senior enterprise reporter Tamar Holloman. Tamar, that's a great title. Uh, the first episode of their latest season of Breakdown, the AJC's award-winning podcast series, is out. It's already there waiting for you wherever you get your podcast. We're going to talk a little bit more about what we can expect over the next few weeks, months. Bill, what do you hope that by the end of this podcast series, what do you hope it accomplishes? Well, I hope we tell the whole story and we do it fairly and objectively, and we are able to break some news as well. And maybe a few more binders while you're at it tomorrow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you hope our listeners can expect from the podcast and what they learn? Because we'll see headlines, there'll be national and local coverage, of course. But you know, the beauty of the podcast is you can go in deeper into, into some of these angles. Exactly. And I hope it really furthers the public's understanding of all of this. You know, when I started writing about this a little more than a year ago, I had no idea. I'd never dreamed of what a special grand jury was. I, I really didn't understand kind of the state laws that were at play here and why they were important. So I've spent the last year really digging into that. And I'm hoping that we were able through these episodes of Breakdown to help break it down for folks a little bit further. And in a way that even reading it might be kind of dry sometimes, hard to grasp, but we have talked to so many different types of people for this podcast, so many legal experts who I think really help tell this story in terms of the state laws at play here, what might have been broken, some of the legal defenses available to Donald Trump should this move forward into a trial, the importance of something like criminal intent. I hope all of these concepts become a little more demystified for our audience so that should this be elevated further, should the DA decide to press charges against the former president, folks will understand what's going on um, and understand the importance of it. Yeah, that's the beauty of this format, Bill. I mean, you know, we, we write newspaper stories, we have blogs and newsletters and all these other cool ways to reach our audience. But the podcast, as you've explored for the past nine seasons, really gives another outlet to go deeper and to give our listeners you know, just another perspective on the biggest stories in the legal world of the day. Doing a podcast is so unlike writing a newspaper story because like Tamar said, we have interviewed many, many people. And in a newspaper story, if you get a good quote from someone, you use a few lines, you know, in a podcast, you can let somebody talk for a minute. And sometimes it's very powerful what they're saying. And it's also makes it so much easier to understand we're lucky to have been able to tap into some really good legal minds who simplify what seems to be very complicated parts of the law. And um, that is the fun part of it. It's not easy putting it together, but it is very satisfying when you present something that makes it accessible to just about anyone. And Bill, you've made the transition from ink-stained wretch, <laughs> you know, old school uh, newspaper reporter to being able to be someone who can do everything, including spearhead this podcast. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, my dad worked at the Atlanta constitution for 26 years. He passed away more than a decade ago. I, I couldn't imagine what he would think if he knew I was doing this right now. <laughs> but I think he'd be proud for, for sure. <laughs> this is one of the ways that the AJC is expanding its sort of network because we've got to figure out new ways to reach our audience. And this is, this yes, is a absolutely. Tomorrow I'm going to put you on the spot and then Bill, I'm going to ask you the same this is still a work in progress. You guys have spent countless hours already on putting together uh, the first pieces of this puzzle. But what's the most surprising thing you've learned so far, tomorrow? That this case 
is is so divisive, it, and it's not divisive. It, it is in the way that you think it is, right? There's so many Republicans who think this is a witch hunt and nothing will be accomplished. You know, there's plenty of Democrats who think this is such a slam dunk. But then when you actually talk to the legal experts, what was so surprising to me is even they don't agree on whether a case like this can be successful, whether... <laughs> whether any charges would be able to stick. And that's what's been so interesting here. We interview plenty of attorneys, longtime you know, Georgia legal defense attorneys who are liberals, who say they think it's going to be extremely hard for charges to stick. We talk to plenty of others who say, Oh no, like, you know, there's some real stuff here and some very problematic things that that former President Trump and his allies should be worried about. And so that's been so interesting to me, talking to these super smart legal minds who've been doing this for a long time to show that it really is up in the air and no one really knows what's going to happen. There's so many different ways that these different sets of facts can be interpreted and no one knows what's going to happen, including yeah, them, including it, me. <laughs> including, yeah, that's the beauty of this. It really is a mystery. And, you know, when we say secret grand jury, <laughs> you mean it? You know, there's very little information coming out. But beyond that, you know, as you said, this even the scope of what she's looking at. And Tamara, as, as you and Ben Brash have reported, exactly what you just said, even in democratic circles in Atlanta, there are questions about whether or not Fonnie Willis is using the resources in the best way. You know, should she be devoting more resources to to other cases that are still pending in Georgia? Absolutely. And she very much defends what she's doing. She said she had no choice but to investigate. And I think to a certain degree, um, impaneling this special grand jury really gives her political cover because in theory, if she wants to, she can hide behind whatever this special grand jury recommends. She doesn't have to listen to them. So they could say, we recommend that you press charges. And she could say, no, I don't want to do that. Or she could go the other way. But agreeing ultimately by with their recommendations gives her a, de- a degree of political cover one way or another that could be helpful to her. And remember, she's up for re-election in 2024. She told me she does plan to run. That's the same year that Donald Trump could be, you know, running for president. And he's telling everybody that's his his plan. And so there's so many considerations outside of the set of facts that are in front of us. And it'll be fascinating to see how this turns out. And that's what's so challenging writing this is, is we have no idea. And we're getting information in real time that's forcing us to tweak our episodes all the time. But that's what, what also makes it so fun and so interesting and so urgent. And Bill, you've gotten a chance to get to know Fonnie Willis. You knew her predecessor a lot better because he had been in office for so long, Paul Howard. I mean, tell us about her personality, Fonnie Willis's personality, because I know that's going to be such a big part of this podcast, but her history, her background, and, and what led her to Fulton County's top prosecutorial role today. Well, Tamar had some good interviews with her uh, before I got involved, and I learned a lot about Fonnie that I didn't know before. Is that her father was a civil rights lawyer. He was a member of the Black Panther Party, and uh, he would take her to court with him when she was a little girl, and uh, it had a profound effect on her. And uh, it led her to go to law school, and uh, she initially wanted to be a judge. She did serve briefly as a judge before she ran for DA down south of Atlanta, I covered the Atlanta public schools test cheating case, which was one of the biggest trials. It was the longest trial in uh, Georgia history. 35 educators were indicted, 12 went to trial, 11 were convicted, and she spearheaded this monstrous prosecution, and she did it. It was very impressive. She was very impressive in court. She was laser-focused. She 
never backed down, it seemed like, and uh, it was a very successful prosecution. To be honest with you, you asked Tamar what surprised her the most so far. I never thought we would be where we are now. When, yeah. when uh, I never dreamed that we would have a grand jury looking into this in Fulton County. I knew that a lot of people thought it should happen. I didn't think it would happen. And now here we are where I think it's possible a former president could be indicted here in Fulton County. I, I never thought we would be here. But after talking with her and seeing her resolve, she's got a backbone. She's no shrinking violet. And so I think this is possible. So I never thought we would be where we are right now. We'll see. You know, it's, it's also interesting. One thing tomorrow and I learned about a special purpose grand jury, special purpose grand juries can't indict. They can recommend. They can recommend charges be brought or not. But special purpose grand juries at the end of their term, they issue a report that outlines their recommendations. What's going to be interesting in this one is if they recommend criminal charges, the report does not become public immediately. It will at the end of the case. So we're going to know if that report comes out or if it doesn't come out, we're going to know what it recommends. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fascinating. And talk about the pressure if she ends up going against the recommendation in one way or another, there'll be all sorts right. of pressure. Yeah. You guys are getting me really excited about this season of the podcast. For sure. I mean, you talk to certain people and they describe it as kind of a David versus Goliath story. You know, obviously Fulton County is a, is a big jurisdiction, but we're still talking about a local prosecutor going after the former president of the United States and a man who still mostly does lead the Republican Party nationally. And so if she were to do it, it would be so audacious, so history making in so many ways. But as Bill said, I mean, she she really seems to have a backbone as uh, as Norm Eisen, one of the folks that we interviewed for this podcast says, you know, she wasn't afraid to go after school teachers, <laughs> you know, using a, a racketeering law. So if she's not afraid to do that, she might not be afraid to indict a president. We really don't know. But I guess if there's anybody who shows that they might be willing to do it, it could very well be her. So many fascinating characters in this podcast. And we should say that Norm Eisen is one of those legal experts who believes there is enough to mount a case, a very credible case against the former president. So I can't wait to hear his interview and the interviews of folks who think there's nothing there. Because as you guys both mentioned, it kind of cuts across party lines. There are Democrats too who feel like there's not much of a legal basis to move forward. So we'll have to watch that right tomorrow. Absolutely. You know, there's there's some who say, you know, there's limited resources in the county. There's really better ways to spend it, especially as crime is top of mind for so many voters. There's so many others who say, you know, the courts should not be where we resolve political disputes. And by doing this, you're setting a really dangerous precedent. Also, there's some folks who say it's so unlikely that Donald Trump is going to be sent to jail. It's kind of silly to even entertain such a fantasy. So we really try and get at all of those perspectives in the podcast, and we can't wait to keep going. Well, thank you, Bill Rankin. Thank you, Tamar Hallerman, for joining us on the Politically Georgia podcast. I, for one, cannot wait to listen to this season of Breakdown. You can find Breakdown on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also count on new episodes of this podcast, Political Georgia, to come out every Wednesday, Friday, or whenever news breaks, which is an awful lot lately. So we will see you next time on Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. 
It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years and I am still amazed at how rich the city's black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.